It is a cliche for Christians to talk about the God of the Old Testament as a God of wrath and the God of the New Testament as a God of love. Like other cliches, this one obscures more than it explains. It can make us forget that God is the same God from Genesis to Revelation. It can blind us to the fact that there's just as much love and forgiveness in the Old Testament as in the New, and just as much wrath in the New Testament as in the Old. Whenever we drift into that kind of cliché, a character like John the Baptist comes along to snap us out of it. You've heard of preaching to the choir? (laughs) This preacher cusses out his choir. (laughs) Crowds of people come to the banks of the Jordan River to be baptized, but instead of rejoicing that the Holy Spirit has brought them this far, John calls them nasty names and questions their motives. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. From start to finish, John's sermon to his impromptu congregation sounds like a dire warning. Coming from his mouth, even the good news that Jesus is about to start his ministry has an ominous ring. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his thrashing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now there's something to look forward to for Christmas. (laughs) Unless you're absolutely sure you are pure wheat, this is a frightening vision of the coming of the Messiah. Anyone who's positive they're chaff-free is probably lying, at least to themselves, and may want to revise their expectations about the judgment day downward just a bit. So why is John using such strong, even frightening, language? Because he has a job to do. He's getting us ready to meet Jesus Christ. And to do that, he needs to urge us to seek the good, the fruit and the wheat that nourish God's people, and to root out what needs to be discarded, like dead branches, and chaff. It's John's job to point out that a tree that looks dead might still have life in it. And it's his job also to remind the tree that it had better shape up and start producing new leaves or its days will be numbered. When the stakes are so high, there's no time to waste. John's job description is full of contradictions and he has the perfect temperament for it. He's not interested in finding easy answers or reconciling opposites. He asks hard questions and then sits with you and me as we grow more and more uncomfortable searching for answers. On the one hand, he will baptize anyone who confesses their sins and asks for a new start. 
And on the other hand, he warns, don't come to be baptized just because everyone else is doing it. Don't get baptized to hedge your bets just in case the world really is about to end. Don't come to the river as if you were doing God a favor by adding some respectable people to the movement. John saves his harshest words for the upright, righteous people of his time, whom Matthew identifies as Pharisees and Sadducees. It's when they show up that he spits, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Brood of vipers is a fancy translation of the evangelist Matthew's Greek. Another way to say it would be, you children of snakes. John's telling his audience, don't come slithering to me like snakes escaping a fire. He wants them, he wants us, to focus as much, as much on what we're fleeing to as what we're fleeing from. Why have the crowds gathered on the banks of the Jordan out in the desert? Why are you and I here at St. Luke's on a Sunday morning in December when we could be home in bed or enjoying a leisurely breakfast? Are we hoping for something? Afraid of something? Both? John the Baptist offers you and me both hope and a warning. The hope is Jesus Christ, whose birth we will celebrate in a couple of weeks. John says Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The Spirit's fire will set us aglow, give us a desire to share its light and warmth, to share the goodness we have found in following Jesus in the company of others who call him friend and savior. But Jesus will use fire in another way too. He will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. That purifying fire may cause you and me pain as we let go of things we don't need, things that get in the way of loving God and our neighbor as fully as we possibly can. John's cranky yet caring warning is so vivid that it always leaves me with follow-up questions for myself. And maybe some of those questions will be helpful for you, too, in these expectant weeks of Advent. I wonder, what fruit have you brought forth in this past year? What tangible or intangible gifts have you produced that showed love and care, that reflected God's image in you and honored God's presence in others? These gifts and gestures could be apparently small, part of your daily routine, or seemingly bigger and costlier. Whatever those gifts might be, I invite you to reflect on them and join me in thanking God for your ability to offer them. I wonder too what part or parts of you 
you think could use a little purifying fire, a little chaff reduction, a little pruning, to allow you to grow closer to God and neighbor. Whatever those parts might be, you can ask for help from the Lord, from this community, and from other friends, including maybe a support group or a therapist. And finally, I wonder, who has been a messenger for you lately? Who has offered hope you needed to hear or needed to see enacted without words? Who has spoken a warning you needed to receive, not to push you into despair, because nobody needs that, but to help you turn even just a little more toward Jesus and the love, joy, and peace he wants for all of us? Was this messenger someone you knew well, or were they a passing acquaintance or even a stranger? Was their message easy for you to receive, or did it make you bristle? And if the latter, did your reaction have something to do with the way they phrased their message, you brood of vipers? <laughs> or did it possibly have something to do with their appearance, or the fact that your messenger moves outside of your usual circles. Remember, John the Baptist wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. He didn't look anything like a respectable member of society, but that didn't make him any less of a prophet. Maybe God's message to you or me for this season will be spoken or has already been offered in a voice that's unfamiliar or even unwelcome at first. But if the message is from God, God will keep offering it until we hear it. Your role and mine in this expectant season is to keep our ears, minds, and hearts open open to a new start and to a new yet ancient promise. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Thanks be to God.